Welcome to the Steve Stein Guitar Podcast, brought to you by GuitarZoom.com. If you want to improve your guitar playing, keep listening. If you want to improve even faster, go to GuitarZoom.com, where you'll find all of Steve's premium courses, masterclasses, and memberships that'll help you quickly and easily improve your playing. Now, here's your host, Steve Stein. Great. Good. I'm glad to be here with you, sir. Yes. Always fun. fun. We like to talk about guitar. I know you do. (laughs) And we like to listen. (laughs) Um, Hey, play guitar. Are you using that? Are you set up the same way we were last week on, what was it, Friday? Yeah. All right, cool. Yep, it should be. Oh, hold on. Nope. Nope. Can you hear me now? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I'm set up the same way. It's so weird how that does that. Hey, Mike. Hello, everybody. Hey, Viv. Hey, Viv from NYC. That's a nice time to be in NYC. I was kind of wish I was there. Yeah. Hi, Stephen Dan. Cool. Guys, thanks for joining us. I'm going to grab my coffee. And uh, I'm going to jam a See if it sounds okay. Go ahead. Okay. kind of okay yeah <laughs> i mean not you're playing just as it's coming through it's like it's doing that compression thing a little bit again that we were talking about on friday yeah and that's off so yeah well maybe it's just me guys yeah, i don't know what about steve good. sounds great Can you guys hear him sounds great okay sounds fantastic fantastic then it may just be me i need coffee <laughs> maybe that's the problem i'll be back <laughs> hey everybody Bertie, Brian, Thomas, Lorraine, Paul, Kevin, T. Stephen Bell is back. Stephen, Allison, Mario. Awesome. We have a lot of people here. in Germany. Awesome. Sounds great. Let's rock and roll. All right, guys. Eugene, RCA, uh, Danny, Jeff, Craig, Fran, Shane, Eric, Chris, Honey Badger. Honey Badger don't play. Yeah. Deb Jones, Stephen Gilbert, Mandy. Oh, I got it. So Facebook and YouTube, we can see all of it at once here. This yeah, is that's super, right. Yep. This is super cool. Yep. Okay, guys. Well, welcome. While everybody's still piling in, uh, Greg, or I'm sorry, Craig Grant from California. Guys, uh, thank you for being here. This is so cool. Stephen, I get, uh, it's like one of the, most fun things we actually get to do around here is just hang out with you dudes and do something live. We are actually live. This is, well, depends on when you're watching this, but right now it's absolutely live. <laughs> if you're watching now, if you're watching now, a relative term, but <laughs> yeah, that is relative, isn't it? So thanks for being here today. We are, uh, I'm Dan Denley, founder of Guitar Zoom. It's my good friend, Steve Stein, uh, guitarist extraordinaire and teacher and uh, friend. So, we're going to be talking today, or Steve is, about creative soloing. 
Oh, Simon Hughes says, go ahead, Steve, can you read that? Uh, si- oh, yeah, I just put it up on the screen, yep. Oh. Sorry, here it is again. Loving your Modern Blue course right now, it says. Awesome. Is that the Masterclass, Modern Blue's Masterclass? I think so. I'm not sure. Yes, Masterclass. All right, dudes. He says, so you're saying you're live. <laughs> so you're saying there's a chance. Actually, we are. We are live. So, guys, thank you so much for being here. Really appreciate you. Uh, from East Tennessee, is that Chattanooga over there in Knoxville? Just curious because I'm from Tennessee. Uh, I purchased the course today. Thank you. And by the way, um, okay, I, I want to see who that is. Eddie, Eddie Rains. Cool. See, I can see their names on this page, but not on the other. It just says Facebook user. So weird. Um, oh, no, it still does say Facebook user. Oh, whatever. Anyway, guys, thank you for being here. Really appreciate it. I'm stumbling over my words here. We're going to be jumping right into creative soloing today. Creative soloing is um, and how it relates to essential techniques. And we're going to be talking about um, all the different techniques that you need to be able to execute for creative soloing. If you want to learn that, keep watching. Keep uh, hanging in here with us. We're going to go for maybe about 45 minutes to an hour. If you want to learn this stuff that we're going to be talking about today even faster and in a step-by-step way, check out Steve's new course. It's called Essential Techniques by Steve Stein. All new, completely brand new, never before seen. And it's available right now at guitarzoom.com. And a whole lot of people have already signed up for this course. By the way, guys, if you already signed up for the course um, on Essential Techniques, uh, tell us what you wanted to get out of it. Like, what's the number one thing that you wanted to learn uh, from this course? And um, that would be super cool. And if you decide to order it today, we've got several fast action bonuses for folks who order during the live event thing. You could just go to Guitar Zoom, click on the big banner that says Essential Techniques. It'll take you straight to the page. And uh, there's some cool fast action bonuses there, including some actual courses um, that you get when you order through, see the timer says, it says seven days, but actually uh, on our big team meeting this morning, they were thinking about closing this early because there's been a whole lot of people signed up. We don't want to get overloaded. So it may actually be a little bit earlier than that. So anyway, guys, if you're interested in uh, Essential Techniques, go stick, check out Steve's course, Essential Techniques by Steve Stein, available at guitarzoom.com. Creative soloing, Steve. Yes. Where should we go as far as a starting point, sir? Oh, well, but wait, 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 wait. And okay. make sure you guys... <laughs> Sorry, I'm really having a hard time getting going here, dude. Make sure that you guys put um, your questions wherever you are. Facebook, YouTube. We're going to have a rapid fire question and answer session a little bit later, about at the halfway point. We'll try to get to as many questions as we possibly can. The only one favor that Steve and I would like to ask of you is please keep your questions related to creative soloing or to soloing in general. And don't uh, like stray about, you know, everything and because um, that helps keep us on track and not get off track. And that's helpful to everybody. So questions, please post them and uh, let us know what you'd like to learn about soloing. Today, we're talking about creative soloing from essential techniques. Take it away, sir. Okay. All right. So the main thing is, is that when people go to solo oftentimes, when they first start learning how to do this, 
they have issues with every time they solo, everything sounds exactly the same, or it always just sounds like they're playing scales. So what I thought I would do is, again, my information, uh, what I thought I would do is kind of give you some ideas of things to think about and then use a, a backing track here to sort of um, show examples of what I'm talking about. So the first thing we're going to do is we're going to talk about, and I'm not going to go deep into this, but I am going to mention this first, is guitar tone. Your guitar tone should match the situation that you find yourself in. You know, if you've got a really, really, really heavy tone, um, but you're trying to play over a ballad or something like that, or vice versa, I'm not saying it has to be exact blues. I've never been the kind of player that goes out and buys gear to try and match different things. I just play what I like, and if it feels good, I'm good. But I still try and dial in something that kind of matches the musical situation that I find myself in, because it's easier to feel kind of in the pocket of the music. So that's the first thing. Uh, the second thing is, is what I call fretboard freedom. And, um, you know, we have, for instance, what's the course we have, Dan, that um, fretboard mastery or ultimate fretboard connection or whatever it is? Yeah, we actually have two uh, fretboard courses, guys. One's called Unlocking the Fretboard Connection, which has been one of the top sellers that we've ever had for the past three years or something like that. And then we also have Fretboard Mastery. Yeah. Kind of, um, but both of those are available. You can just click on the shop button at GuitarZoom and check that out if you're interested. Unlocking the Fretboard Connection. Right. Is, uh, that's what that's about. Okay. Uh, yeah, so basically, the, the more you are limited to your ability to move around the fretboard, obviously the less creative you're going to be able to be. That doesn't mean you can't make amazing music with just one position or something like that, but I, I'm telling you, one of the biggest things, the, one of the biggest revelations of my playing was when I really started learning how to maneuver around the whole fretboard. And I always talk to people about when you start really getting comfortable with being able to do this, then you start thinking about your fretboard in different sectors. Like down here, if I was going to play, you know, it's, it's lower. It, it's almost like I'm kind of talking quietly to somebody when I move into. Now it's like I'm, I'm talking loudly. I'm, I'm speaking more, you know, adamantly. When I move up here. Now it's like I'm singing, like this is a singing voice. And when I move up here, it's like I'm yelling at somebody, right? So it's nice to think about it that way because when you approach a solo, the first thing you have to do, and we're going to talk about analysis a bit here too, but you've got to decide how you want to start this solo because I've always thought of solos as being... Like, the, really, the point of the solo is to make a connection to the music. It's not... I remember a, a, a kid, when I used to teach lessons, private lessons, I would always ask them, okay, so explain to me what soloing means to you when they started learning how to do that. And I had a student that once said, uh, to show off. That was his answer. And nice. uh, <laughs> well, What said, else is it for? <laughs> yeah, maybe that's, that's possible, but really, it's singing, but on the guitar, right? It's, it's us doing our thing without our voice. We're doing it with the guitar. And um, to be able to do that, we've got to be able to maneuver around the fretboard. So there's a few things I want you to think about. So one is fretboard freedom. The more you understand how to get around the fretboard, the better off you are. Now, we, we talked about this in the last few sessions, how understanding some theory, understanding technique, and uh, expanding on your creativity. These are three different 
uh, buckets, if you will, that are really, really important for every guitar player to try and mess with. So that's one thing is, is fretboard freedom. Okay. Nice. Yeah. So the next thing we're going to do is we're going to move in and we're going to start talking about assessing a situation. Like we're going to listen to this backing track that I have, and then we're going to try and figure out like, what would you do? And then what would I do? Right now, again, I'm not saying I have all the answers. I'm just saying I have learned how to respond to music far better than I did, you know, 30 years ago. What we're going to do here is we're just going to listen to this a little bit. Now, what I'm going to do is move up a little bit to the drums so we can hear the groove. So what I want to do at this point is I, I want to start figuring out, well, number one, before I worry about the key, I want to figure out the groove. I want to know the tempo, and I want to know the groove. Now, the groove, whenever you play over something, it might be in 4-4 four, four time or whatever it might be, but the subdivision of those is going to feel either like a straight beat, 1 and 2 and 3 and 4, and you can go back to the first live session that Dan and I did, and I talk about this, or it's going to feel like a swing groove, Okay like a group of three okay so as I'm listening to this is it going one and two and three and four and one or is it going see if I move back these are my beats but the groove is groups of three. It's a swing feel. And I want to know that because when I go to start playing over the top of this, once I figure out the key and that sort of thing, that's what I'm going to focus in on with the rhythms that I play. Now, you've probably heard me talk about meandering and things like that. And I do all of that kind of practice when I when I work with a, a, a musical situation that I find myself in. So this song, the two chords that we're hearing here in the beginning are E minor and A. And again, we're not getting into ear training, but those are my two chords. So with E minor and A, the first thing I'd have to do is figure out, well, what key or what scale could I use? And I'm asking you out there to tell me. If I had E minor and I had A major, what key am I in? And I want to see what you say, okay? Good question. So the question is, what key... Are you in if your if your chords that you're given are E minor and A major? Right now, let's while you're answering, I'm going to keep going here and just talk a little bit, okay? So if I have E minor and A, what I do know is that I'm going to try E minor pentatonic because if I don't know what key it's in, at the very least, I'm going to try E minor pentatonic, okay? So as this starts. So I could use E minor pentatonic. Now this is where the separation, when we talk about music theory, this is where theory might become really important for you. Because if you look at E minor and A and you go, well, I'm not really sure what key that could come from, right? That's okay. If you don't know, then pentatonic is always a great answer because pentatonic is going to fit just about every single time, 
Okay, if you know your theory, then if you look at the E minor and you look at the A major and go, okay, well, if we had E minor and A major, what key would we be in? Well, we could be in the key of D major because the E minor would be the two chord, right? And the A would be the five chord in the mm -hmm. key of D major. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's what I would do. Right. Okay, so that means that I can still play E minor pentatonic. And again, I don't want to get too far off on a theory, theory tangent, but just understand that I need to set this up. I've already decided what my groove is going to be. Now I decide what scale I'm going to use. You see? So if all I know is E minor pentatonic, at the very least, I need to be able to go in there and start making some sort of rhythmic connection because I've already figured out that I've got dun, 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 that sort of thing. Okay? So also G... Well, G, we would get uh, A minor. So G won't work because we'd get A minor in the key of G. Okay? Mm -hmm. So somebody had mentioned G. We don't have A minor. We have A major. Okay? Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, AJ says, please explain using modes. That's a whole other three-hour conversation to have um, that we don't have time for in, in this one because we're talking about creative soloing. But modes is a whole thing to, uh, that, that's worth learning eventually as well. But so... If you're enjoying this episode and you'd like to support the podcast, go to guitarzoom.com and consider becoming a premium member. There are three memberships to choose from. VIP, which gives you instant access to a library of short but powerful courses as well as new bite-sized lessons each month. There's also Play Songs that gives you step-by-step -step lessons so you can learn to play your favorite songs fast. And finally, there's Masterclass, university-level training on everything from soloing to music theory, from blues to home recording. For more info about these memberships and all the premium courses available to you, go to guitarzoom.com. Now back to the podcast. E so if we don't know what we're doing, we can grab E minor pentatonic and use that rhythm. Now, in order to be able to make that musical connection rhythmically, I've got to have the availability technically to be able to pick at whatever speed. Right now, I don't have to play the triplets that fast, but that's what the triplets are. This song, the triplets are that fast, right? And I don't really have any other uh, option other than just going to the quarter note. I can go to the. Now, again, I'm just meandering right now, but so those are my options rhythmically of what to do over the top of this, okay, that fit that rhythm. Now, oftentimes when I solo, I like to do free time stuff too, and we'll get to that in just a little bit, okay? But those are my options. So technically, I've got to be able to make that connection. So the next step, what I'm going to do here is I'm going to look at those chords, again, E minor and A major. Now, if we didn't know modes, we don't know anything about that, at the very least, what I can do is over the E minor, I could go to E minor, pentatonic. Over the A major, you know what I could do? I could go A major pentatonic. Okay, so let's try that a little bit. Just see what we get. I'm gonna go A major. E minor. 
sure? I'm going to do it up here this time. some elements of musical separation between these chords. I'm not simply moving up and down inside E minor pentatonic the whole time, but I'm actually trying to make some sort of connection to the A chord. Mm. Sounds great, dude. Okay. I loved it. And you frame that up sometimes as uh, chord chasing, right? That's right. That's right. So at this point, because I'm not sure of what mode or whatever it might be, I'm just trying to go, okay, well, E minor pentatonic over the E, A major pentatonic over the A, right? But when I get in there, and again, we're going to talk about the, the diatonic scale as well, but at the very least, when I get in there, I need to make this musical connection by thinking about the rhythm. And then there's two other things I need to start thinking about. The next one is phrasing. Now, phrasing is kind of like when you listen to someone talk or you listen to someone sing or you're reading a book or something like that. It's the length of the sentences. And those sentences, the way that they end, right? Sometimes they end you know, with a, with a period or a comma or an exclamation mark or something like that. You need to try and think about not making everything sound exactly the same length and the same size and all that sort of thing, right? If you think about the whispering, talking, singing thing I talked about, again, if you're limited by your fretboard, there's only so much of that that you can do. The more you learn about your fretboard, the more different places that you can go. But with whatever we have at this point, at least what we can do is we can get in there and start trying to think about phrases. So let me go back just a little bit with this. You see, instead of just going da 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 the whole time, I start thinking about trying to break my playing into different sizes. Play a little bit. Play a little bit more, play a little bit less, play a little bit faster, play a little bit slower, whatever it might be. But, but thinking about that variety. And the second thing that really goes hand in hand with that is, is that over the E, in the most basic of form right now, I'm trying to target the note E. And over the A, I'm going to target, guess what? The note A. So again, it gets way deeper than that, but this is a great place to just begin. And the way you have to do this when you start learning how to play more creatively is you've got to slow down your, your thought process. Because if you're like, well, how all these different places on my fretboard and all these different licks that I've learned, all that's great. But when the music starts, you can't be thinking about all of those things. You have to learn that there's a level of automation that has to be able to kick in. This is why when I talk about these buckets to practice, learning to practice the creative bucket is really important. Because if all we do is practice licks and scales and theory and whatever it might be, just because we know how to do these things doesn't mean we can apply them in a creative aspect. Mm. So mm -hmm. we've got to be able to spend a little time, again, slow down. It doesn't have to be fast. Don't even think fast at all. Just think Okay, I'm going to try and play E minor pentatonic over E minor and A major pentatonic over, over the A major. 
I'm going to try and play in a rhythmic sense that fits. And if I don't understand the rhythm, I shouldn't even be worrying about this. I should just go back and practice my rhythm over it, right? But once I've got that dialed in a little bit, and again, we're going a little fast because we only have so much time here. Um, then what I want to do is I want to start thinking about phrasing and chord connection. And my chord connection at this point is the E over the E minor and the A over the A minor. And it begins to sound like music. Mm. It's awesome, man. It sounds great. Yeah. What do so, you guys think about that? Just uh, tell us in the comments. Yeah. Are you and, enjoying this so far? Because, because again, we, we get, and I'm not saying that learning your theory and obviously learning all of your mode stuff and all those things are very important, but we often think that just because we're going to learn a new scale, it's going to give us all of this musical freedom. And that doesn't, that doesn't necessarily equate unless you can figure out how to actually use it. Because the problem that I see a lot of times is let's say we're playing um, uh, E Dorian, right? So we're in E Dorian here. If you know your E Dorian. So we got our major six. So we learn how to play that scale in whatever capacity you're learning it. Well, the problem is, is when you learn it, a lot of times, your solos sound like this. I'm still not really saying anything. I have more notes, but it doesn't really mean I'm saying anything. I still have to make a phrasing and pitch connection to the song, mm -hmm. right? It's just that if I know more about my theory and I know, for instance, E Dorian, which is, which is essentially what I'm playing here in the key of D major, I can do the, what I was showing you before with E minor and A major, I can do it in the same spot. So I can take E minor, so here comes E minor, and here comes my A, I can do it all in the same spot if I understand more about what I'm doing. Pink Floydish stuff there, because um, nice. this is very Pink Floyd sounding. But anyway, if that kind of makes sense, so what you want to do is you want to understand that your power in soloing begins with understanding your fretboard and having the technical ability to be able to move through your fretboard. Love it. Then you've got to have the logic to be able to listen to the musical situation you have and go, what is the rhythm telling me? And what key am I in? What are my options in terms of my responsiveness to these chords that are happening? Then you've got to go in. The third step is you've got to move in on a creative level 
and start trying to think, well, how do I phrase and how do I make a connection to these chords as they're happening? If I'm just playing up and down the scale over and over and over, again, I can get lucky sometimes and it'll sound really good, but it's, it's a ratio that I don't want to really want to mess with because sometimes when I play, it's not going to sound very good. If I try and really make that musical connection, it's going to, I'm going to have more of an opportunity for it to sound like music. Maybe it's not as flashy as I want or whatever. Those are all things that I can work on. But at the very least, I'm making music that sounds like it's music. So does that all make right. sense? Yeah, dude, this is amazing stuff. Guys, what do you think so far? Just let us know in the comments how this is uh, resonating with you, if you're enjoying this, if, uh, if you've had an aha moment so far, that would be super cool. Um, guys, if you're just joining us, we're about halfway through this creative soloing session here with my good friend Steve Stein. I'm Dan Denley, the founder of Guitar Zoom. And uh, everything we're talking about today, the creative soloing, comes from Steve's new course. It's called Essential Techniques by Steve Stein. And it's available right now with some pretty cool fast action bonuses and at an introductory sales price at GuitarZoom.com. A whole lot of folks have already signed up for that. And if you have, please come back and tell us how you're enjoying the course and how, uh, what's something that you've already gotten out of it. What have you learned? What aha moments have you had? If you want to learn about creative soloing, thanks for joining us. Please tune in and stay for the whole time. We're going to be here for about another 20 or 30 minutes and we're going to have an awesome question and answer session. And uh, if you'd like to learn essential techniques really quickly in a step-by-step -step way, go check out Steve's course. It's called Essential Techniques by Steve Stein, available at guitarzoom.com right now at the sales price. Guys, um, Steve, this is incredible stuff. We talked about assessing the situation. When we first talked, when we started out, we talked about fretboard freedom, connecting all the different scales, connecting, figure out like where you are on the fretboard, what you can do in your capacity and what you currently know, assessing the situation, actually sitting down and listening to the song, getting an idea of the groove, you know, is it a, um, is it a straight rhythm or is it a swing rhythm? Then getting an idea of like, what chords do I have in this thing? Well, we had a E minor and a major in this, and we figured out that we could use the D major scale. We could use uh, E minor pentatonic. We could use uh, a major pentatonic. So, and then we talk about phrasing lengths of these kind of sentences versus just having your, your solo sound like a scale and then targeting the root note of the chord is always a good idea as you're moving through your solo. Um, all this stuff is awesome. We, uh, we've got about, we're about halfway through here, Steve. Do you want to take some questions now or do you want to uh, plow forward? Because I know you always have a ton yeah. of stuff, which well, let is me, great. Let me, I'm just going to throw a couple more things out there and then we can start taking some questions. Cool. Okay. So I did see a couple things about um, in terms of do you always have to go to the root? And the answer is no. Okay. But it's a great place to start. Like if you're not trying to emphasize anything, learning to go to E over an E minor and A over an A major or whatever your situation might be is a great place to begin. Because then people always go, well, what about the third and the fifth and the whatever? Those are all great. But if you can't do one, you can't do three, right? So you gotta learn to do one. So that's, that's the thing is, is always remember that when you get over to this creative bucket and you start exploring the, the creative side of things, because I saw people asking about, well, how do you learn how to phrase and things? Guitar playing in this 
in this realm, this creative realm is a subjective thing. There isn't any absolute rules to this, right? Other than maybe, you know, playing in the right key and some logical things like that. But even those things can be bent to a certain degree. But the thing you have to understand is when you're in a rudimentary bucket, when you're in a theory bucket, and a theory bucket is explaining to you what Mixolydian is, there's no right or, there's, there's no black or white. It, it is what it is, right? There's, there's no bending the rule on it. A Mixolydian mode is what it is. When you're practicing a particular kind of exercise, it's for some sort of development. We talked about this, I think, in the first or second session, that when you practice a technique, you're practicing it to build strength and speed and stamina and confidence and all these sorts of things. All of this stuff in these two buckets gets dumped in the third bucket, which is the creative bucket. And the thing about the creative bucket is when you get into the creative bucket, if your brain is still tethered to the first bucket, which is the rudimentary techniques bucket or the theory bucket or whatever it might be, you're not experiencing a creative element mm -hmm. because you're thinking about trying to play that lick or mm -hmm. you're thinking about trying to play whatever. The, the key to the creative bucket is you've got to learn to listen more than play. You've got to learn to respond to what you're listening to more than thinking about everything. Because if you're thinking about everything, you're not responding, you're thinking. Does that mm. kind of make sense? Yeah. So when I'm hearing this, again, I've been doing this a long time. But when I listen to this, I understand that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to maneuver around the fretboard and I'm going to make connections, sometimes on the root, sometimes on the third, sometimes on the fifth, sometimes I'll play an arpeggio, sometimes I'll do whatever. But I'm not thinking, I got to get an arpeggio in here because my teacher wants me to play three arpeggios every, every solo, right? I'm not thinking about it that way. I'm not thinking, oh, I got to play Dorian because pentatonic is for beginners and I can't play pentatonic. Like, I, I don't have those thoughts. I just go to play. Like, if I listen... Here comes that A. Again, I'm not going to spend the whole time doing this, but you get the idea. So as I'm phrasing, I'm thinking about, oh, I should throw some blues in here. That would be kind of cool. It sounds like something different, right? Or I'll do some single string stuff. I might be playing. To get some sounds like that or whatever it might be. So, um... Hopefully that helps you a little bit in understanding the process. Like, you know, if you need to go back and watch this, of course, it'll be, uh, you know, on YouTube and on Facebook and all kinds of places you can rewatch it. But I'd, I'd, when you got some time, I would love for you to write down some things and go, okay, so 
I need to assess my situation, right? I need to study my fretboard a bit more. I need more, you know, practice on my technique. Because if I can't, if I can't execute what I want to do with my fingers, even if my brain's telling me what to do, but my hands won't do it, that's something I need to work on. That's what, like this course, that's what techniques, essential techniques is all about, is developing those things so you use them when you choose to, when you want to use them. Because last thing I'll say, and then we'll get to, to this, is be careful of complacency. Okay? You need to understand your music and your musical situations. You need to keep developing your creativity. You need to develop yourself outside your comfort zone. That doesn't mean today you're comfortable, don't be comfortable. It means once you establish comfort in whatever it is you're trying to do, you got to crack the shell. You got to crack that eggshell and move forward. That's how you keep getting better. Otherwise, every time you grab the guitar and play over any style of music or any jam, it sounds exactly the same. Mm. And I see this a lot with pentatonic. Like people will learn an element of pentatonic and then they'll go, oh my God, the rest of it just seems insurmountable. It seems like way too much work. So I'm just going to live here and I'm never going to leave this, this eggshell that I've built for myself. I'm not saying that that's bad. I mean, if you're, if you're happy in it, you never go, I want more, then you're okay. But if you want more, you got to crack that shell and go, okay, well, I need to add more. I need to step outside my comfort zone and maybe just add one new note. Take my pentatonic and just learn to add, you know, a ninth in there or something like that. Just something or a new way of doing my bending, right? I always do the same bends, but I need to learn how to, you know, like there's so many great ways of being able to manipulate the fretboard with bends and vibrato and I just love that kind of stuff when I play. You know, that's where that musicality comes from is all in all that movement. The, the what I call vocal tools, which I talk about in the course too, but bending and vibrato and sliding and hammer-ons and pull-offs and you know, being able to take an ex exotic note that doesn't fit in your scale. and throw it in and make it sound really cool, even though... You know, there's lots of really great ways that you can manipulate. It's not just about playing up and down a scale, you see? Next time on the Steve Stein Guitar Podcast, Hopefully that helps you a little bit in understanding the process. Like, you know, if you need to go back and watch this, of course, it'll be, uh, you know, on YouTube and on Facebook and all kinds of places you can rewatch it. But I'd, I'd, when you got some time, I would love for you to write down some things and go, okay, so I need to assess my situation, right? I need to study my fretboard a bit more. I need more, you know, practice on my technique. Because if, if I can't execute what I want to do with my fingers, even if my brain's telling me what to do, but my hands won't do it, that's something I need to work on. That's what, like this course, that's what techniques, essential techniques is all about, is developing those things so you use them when you choose to, when you want to use them. Because last thing I'll say, and then we'll get to, to this, is be careful of complacency, okay? You need to understand your music and your musical situations. You need to keep developing your creativity. You need to develop yourself outside your comfort zone. That doesn't mean today you're comfortable, don't be comfortable. It means once you establish comfort in whatever it is you're trying to do, 
You got to crack the shell. You got to crack that eggshell and move forward. That's how you keep getting better. Otherwise, every time you grab the guitar and play over any style of music or any jam, it sounds exactly the same. Mm. And I see this a lot with pentatonic. Like people will learn an element of pentatonic and then they'll go, oh my God, the rest of it just seems insurmountable. It seems like way too much work. So I'm just going to live here and I'm never going to leave this, this eggshell that I've built for myself. I'm not saying that that's bad. I mean, if you're, if you're happy in it, you never go, I want more, then you're okay. But if you want more, you got to crack that shell and go, okay, well, I need to add more. I need to step outside my comfort zone and maybe just add one new note. Take my pentatonic and just learn to add, you know, a ninth in there or something like that. Just something or a new way of doing my bending, right? I always do the same bends, but I need to learn how to, you know, like there's so many great ways of being able to manipulate the fretboard with bends and vibrato and I just love that kind of stuff when I play. You know, that's where that musicality comes from is all, in all that movement. The, the What I call vocal tools, which I talk about in the course too, but bending and vibrato and sliding and hammer-ons and pull-offs and, you know, being able to take an ex exotic note that doesn't fit in your scale. and throw it in and make it sound really cool, even though... You know, there's lots of really great ways that you can manipulate. It's not just about playing up and down a scale, you see? Hey, Steve Stein here from GuitarZoom.com, and thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, can I ask you a favor? Please subscribe, leave a review, and share it with a friend. Your feedback means more to me than you'll ever know. And be sure to check out my YouTube channels where you'll find over 1,000 videos to help you with your guitar playing. Thanks again for listening. Stay positive, keep playing, and keep having fun. If you'd like some help with your guitar playing but you're not sure how to get started, go to GuitarZoom.com and look for the Help Me Choose survey. By answering a few simple questions, you'll get Steve's personal recommendation of the perfect course for you. All this and more is available for you at GuitarZoom.com.